such a blessing to be here amongst all of you today. It's, the Lord is truly good. Um, I was sharing with a brother, uh, was it yesterday, uh, just what a blessing that it is to know Christians that know how to do stuff. So what I mean is uh, Christians that know how to, that work outside of the church. I was eating a meal yesterday and uh, realized that my crown head fell out. And I was just like, uh oh, and I gotta preach and everything. And so my wife had our dentist uh, number. She gave her a house number and she texted. She's like, oh, emergency 911. My, my husband can't get up and preach. Uh, we gotta see. And she said, you know what? I'll open, I'll open up uh, her, her practice. She said, I'll open it up. Y'all come over in about three hours. And praise the Lord. She had her tools together and, and everything and, and put my tooth back in. So I was thankful for that. So it just shows how it pays to know believers that know how to do stuff. So, uh, yes, otherwise I'd be whistling. <laughs> That's right. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we give you thanks. As we look back over our lives, we can see your providential hand over every aspect. Lord, you have blessed us tremendously. We have seen the different ways in which you have allowed us to prosper as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, it hasn't been merely physically, but spiritually, Lord, you have helped us to grow. Lord, the little things we take for granted, Lord. And we pray today that you open our minds, our hearts, that you help us to see Jesus clearly. That you help us to see the, the impact and the ways in which Jesus has touched our lives. Be with us today. Open our, 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 our hearts to your word. For we need you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to welcome you to our church, and greetings to all of you who are listening in online. It's such a blessing to know that you have come here to hear God's word preached. We not only preach the word here, we sing the word and we pray the word. Now, if you turn your attention to your bulletins, in it you will find our song lyrics, our schedule for the upcoming week. We also want our members to know that there is a members meeting immediately following service. So if you are a member, we need you to stick around after service. A hush went over the congregation. <laughs> but there is one, amen, saints. An hour and 45 minutes later, after the sermon, service concludes, and the meeting starts. One elder says, we want you to know that there is a potential church discipline case on the horizon. We have, re we have received word from the elder writing to Gaius, that there has been a member whom we all know who has been doing wicked deeds. We are bringing this to the congregation as he has been warned. And now it is imperative that this is read before the entire church. The elder, he hopes to come to us at some point, but he has written in pen and ink for now. He has written a warning for us that there is someone among us you don't want to be like. 
a messy member. Use the word messy in terms of a busybody. You know, that person that's just all over the place. In our passage today, the elder shows us three angles in his letter of how not to prosper as a Christian that can ultimately lead to being under church discipline. He does this by a condemnation in verses 9 through 10, a consideration in verse 11, and a commendation in verses 12 through 15. For those of you who are taking notes, a condemnation in verses 9 to 10, a consideration in verse 11, and a commendation in verses 12 through 15. If you have your Bibles, please open up with me to 3 John. 3 John is right after 2 John and right before Jude. And do not be embarrassed to use the table of contents. That's what they're there for. 3 John, verses 9 through 15. Lord's word reads this. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to add, who want to, and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from us, from everyone, and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. We will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. As we established in the previous sermon, the elder, who is the apostle John, has written to a specific individual named Gaius. Gaius was a prospering brother for us to follow. Gaius, not only, it, he not only prospered physically, but the elder wanted Gaius, his soul to prosper as well. He believed the truth, he walked in truth, and he supported the truth. But now, he introduces us to someone whom we shouldn't follow. The elder lets Gaius know in verse 9, I have written. At some point, he has written another letter. And it was something to the church. He doesn't explain what, what happened to the letter. It could have been intercepted. Someone may have gotten a hold to it. It could have been damaged. Possibly it may have contained some type of instructions to the congregation. Perhaps it was dealing with a matter of hospitality, which seems to be what has been in question throughout the entire letter. Someone may have found out a letter was on its way. And quite like when we don't want our parents to receive information about something we have done, we try to keep the letter from its intended audience. 
You know, your school is getting ready to tell you, tell your parents about something you've done and you don't want them to find out, so you find a way to hinder the news? We don't know for sure. John wrote something and it didn't get to the church. He didn't have a postal insurance option. He didn't have a guaranteed delivery selection box. And he certainly didn't have Amazon Prime. He addressed something to the church. However, there was an issue. There was an issue. We find out when he says, but Diotrephes. Who is Diotrephes? Diotrephes was a member of the church. His presence must have been well known by Gaius and the audience as John uses his name. We don't know if he had a position in the church like elder or deacon, but he had some type of influence. He is one, John says, who likes to put himself first. That is, he has a special interest in being a leader. Prideful. Selfish ambition. He wanted authority and he wanted to make himself known. Now, one may ask, why is it wrong to be a leader? Shouldn't one have the desire to be an elder or a pastor? Isn't that what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 3? When he says, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. It isn't wrong to desire to be a leader when one's motives are properly placed. The desire is wrong when the motivation is for esteem and praise. The desire is wrong when someone is seeking financial gain. The desire is wrong if one wants to make a name for themselves. The desire is wrong if one wants bishop so-and-so on the street outside. The desire is wrong when one wants to use their authority to mistreat, abuse, and take scriptures out of context to manipulate members. Selfish ambition is something that doesn't only affect those in leadership, but it affects each and every one of us as well. How so? All of us, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, has or continues to put ourselves first. You've done it, I've done it. How? Well, when we have a family potluck, and the food is hot. And our minds, in, our minds instantly forget the children and the women. And I say, hey, I need my plate first. I need my plate before other hands touch it. Well, what about another example? You come in from being out all day. And when you get in the house, I don't care how my wife feels. I need my food. And I need it hot. My mom says I should start my homework, but I don't care. I want to play and do what I want. Family, our desires are tainted. We put ourselves before others. When we desire to put ourselves above others, what is the driving mechanism? What is my motivation for being first? Is it likes? Is it loves? In fact, 
Have you ever made a comment online only to check back minutes later to see if someone has loved it? The question is, what is my driving motivation? Is it money? Notoriety? Power? Prestige? Do I really want to do good to help people grow? Grow closer to Christ or serve him? Or is it, I want my name to be great? I want to be looked upon as the Bible answer man or woman. I want to be first to answer. I want my sermon to be applauded and received acclamation. It's funny. The world today is so bent on pronouns. Where I would argue, since Genesis, the world's common pronoun has always been I, 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 me, me, me. It hasn't been what God wants. It is what I want because I want to rule. It's about me. What is ruling our hearts? Diotrephes' desire was misplaced. It wasn't to, to, to serve the flock. It wasn't to love God's people. It wasn't to fall under the leadership of others and learn and grow. John says his desire was to put himself first. Perhaps this is sticking out to John because John is having a flashback. Perhaps he's remembering his own selfish ambition or that of his mother in Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 21, when it says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him, that being Jesus, for something. And he said to her, What do you want? And she said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Diotrephes likes to be number one. However, a leader must first learn how to be a servant. The highest honor in leading others is not in wielding his power and authority, but humbly looking out for the best interest of others. Our Lord says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. First shall be last, and the last shall be first. Now, this wasn't Diotrephes. He didn't even want to submit to the leadership right in front of him. Notice John says next, he does not even acknowledge our authority. He will have nothing to do with John and the others. They can't tell me what to do. I'm grown. He didn't consider his elders worthy of double honor. I'm not taking instructions from them. John mentions, notice, he says our authority, but where does John get his authority? Perhaps this is referring to John being a leader in the church. He has seen the risen Christ, and a letter from him would merit some type of respect. Diotrephes was a concerning member for the elder. He wanted to make the church aware of the issue and had plans to address all of his concerns in person. Look with me now at verse 10. Verse 10 says, so if I come. This is a conditional statement, a possibility. If he, and if he does, John says, I will bring up what he is doing. John is going to address him 
publicly. He will call to mind the disruption again. This will not go unaddressed. Let's give some instruction for us, some realities for us as well. Family, conflict inside of the local church is inevitable. The longer you continue to build with people, the longer you are around each other, conflict will occur. And in certain situations, matters must be handled publicly. In fact, we could be, we don't know, in the final stages of a church discipline case. Diatrophies has been doing a number of things, giving cause of concern. John mentions one thing. Hey, he doesn't acknowledge authority. He doesn't listen to those in authority. But now he mentions a second concern. Notice, John says, he is talking wicked nonsense against us. When I saw that, I was like, man, I need to add that to my vocabulary. You talking wicked nonsense. It'd <laughs> be biblical, too. Another translation says, he is unjustly accusing us with wicked words. In other words, he has been lying and slandering us. Malicious gossip. Slandering the elder and perhaps guys. The elder, he, he doesn't even mention Diotrephes even attempting to sit down and have a conversation to find out any misunderstandings. He's been using his words, not for upbuilding, but for destruction. Family, I have no need to tell you this, but it's a good reminder. Slander and gossip are evil. One definition says slander is the utterance of false charges or misrepresentations which defame and damage another person's reputation. Our Lord has spoke on this back in Exodus when he says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Leviticus 19.16 says, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. The people of God were not to intentionally hurt others with their critical and accusatory speech. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but guess what? Words do hurt. Slander comes from the heart, and our hearts are evil. The mouth is attached to the heart, so if you have a problem with your mouth, you probably have a problem with your heart. And the thing is, we use our words so flippantly. We don't care about who they destroy. And for some of us, we, we stand with proud hearts saying, yeah, I'm standing for God. Social media, gossip columns, you name it, can be a cesspool for reading and listening to people engage in slander all day long. This week, would Jesus be pleased with the words we have said, typed, text, or read. Spreading misinformation about people without going to the source itself. Family, it is a bait from Satan. And Satan uses it to cause more division. We say evil things about our spouses. We say evil things about our friends. We say evil things about people we don't even know. And here's what a lot of us Christians like to do. We question and cast doubt on folks' salvation we don't even know. Now, some folks 
clearly outright reject Jesus. But others, a simple, I don't know, I'm praying would be helpful. This falls below God's standards for holiness. So the question is, how have our words been toward other believers? How have our words been towards non-believers? Have we recently gossiped or slandered someone? Spread misinformation about someone? If that is the case, if our answer is yes, let us ask the Lord for forgiveness. And make it a point this week, and even today, let us be intentional on being encouraging with our words. Years ago, I was working for a government agency for their management staff. We had some turnovers due to retirement and an untimely death. And I was one who knew that I was next in line for the top position. I was excited. Had my interview. But a woman from the outside was selected. She had been in the Army, very high-ranking official, and continued to do well academically. I still found reason to cast out on her. She was brought into the office, and as soon as I saw her, I went straight to my coworker because I wanted to voice my frustrations. Walked over to my coworker's cube, and I said, hmm, I don't know why they hired her. They bringing in folks from the outside who have no clue what we do. And that's what the government they bring somebody in. You're like, wait, I was next in line. How did, how did this person get this position? It don't matter if they had like three master's degrees, been a top government official or anything like that. I said, she don't know a thing about what we do. About 30 minutes later, I was called to her cube. She sat me down. She said, Warner, I'm so disappointed in you. You are a young man with so much potential. And to hear you say those things about me hurt. If this is the way we're going to start our relationship, it's going to be really hard for one of us. <laughs> I had never been more embarrassed in my life. I wanted what I wanted. I saw her as a threat to the position and salary I wanted instead of learning from her from her experience and from her life. I wanted what I wanted and I didn't care what came from my mouth. I didn't think that my voice carries. <laughs> Friends, gossip and slander are often found when one has selfish ambitions. Just like diatrophies. We do well to be careful what we say about others. There's a reason why James has so much wisdom, and he says, be slow to speak. Did you know you attack God when you attack others illegitimately with your words? Did you know you attack God when you put others down? How so? You are attacking the image of God. James says, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Isn't that interesting? Diotrephes was probably one who was praising the Lord, saints, but later on cussing others in the church. It may, even so, it may be those who were missionaries. Notice he says next, and not content with that, not satisfied with slandering us, he refuses to welcome the brothers. In other words, he does not show hospitality. 
He has rejected the Christian workers. Missionaries came into the church, and Diotrephes is like, nope, they got to go. Better send them on to the goodwill of the Salvation Army. He turns the other way, seeking assistance from the church, but Diotrephes says, no, the doors of the church are closed. Remember last week we said, when you support the truth, you are a fellow worker in gospel advancement. But it would appear here that Diotrephes does not care about the gospel advancing. In fact, he has been attempting to hinder the gospel. And that's sad. But for those of us who believe the truth, you and I know that the gospel will never be hindered. That should be all of us in here. Amen, right? We know through first experience that the gospel will never be hindered. How? We just went through a pandemic that's, that sought to shut everything down, but the gospel was still going forward. The gospel was still moving. And at times we need reminders of just how powerful that message is. Yeah. That Christ Jesus has came, he's died, he's risen, and family, he's coming again. Rejecting them only indicates John has, or Diotrephes has rejected John and others. And a lack of hospitality can be present in our hearts as well. How so? How can a lack of hospitality be within our hearts? Perhaps when someone has missed a few Sundays, have we been purposeful in calling to check on them? Calling to see if they have any needs? Dropping a text message. Hey, I was just thinking about you. Do we truly care? Are we more interested in believing the truth and talking the truth rather than living the truth? Diotrephes says, I don't care. I will not accept that. He won't help the missionaries. But he's not finished. The text says, and also stops those who want to. He was no joke. In the words of my DC folks, this family was no joke. He was enforcing his will upon others. There were others who wanted to assist the workers with what they needed, and when some members would, he would take drastic measures. Manipulation 101. My agenda, my reasoning, and it doesn't matter what anyone else says, I'm going to get everyone in the church to see my way. He stops those and puts them out of the church. There were some members who wanted to display the gift of God, that God has given them hospitality, but this man wielded his influence and put those who went against his commands out. He throws out those who oppose his quote-unquote authority. Preventing love from being shown to others and exercises church discipline in an abusive manner. Power and control. And there are many people like this, both inside and outside of the church. John is given his condemnation. Diotrephes had selfish ambition. He rejected authority. He was a gossiper. He was non-hospitable. And he misused the scriptures for his own motives. scary thing is, as we would attempt to look down upon Diotrephes, many of us 
at one point or another, have had a little bit of diatrophies in us as well. Some of us have some diatrophies in us now. This will not lead to be a prospering Christian. The elder moves on with some consideration in verse 11. Look with me now at verse 11. He says, beloved, dearly loved, and here's the command. Do not imitate. Do not emulate or follow evil. Do not head in the same direction as evil. It's interesting because he says do not follow evil, but a lot of times we head straight for the evil. I remember being at football game or basketball games in St. Louis, a fight would break out and half of us be walking straight toward the fight to see what happened. <laughs> Do not follow evil. Do not head in the same direction. Diotrephes is modeling evil for you right now. He is a leader you do not want to follow. Do not follow evil. However, at some point or another, we all follow someone we shouldn't be following. Whether on TV, Facebook, Twitter, do not imitate, do not follow evil. Here's the contrast. But imitate good. Follow what is good. It isn't a matter of simply doing what is right. It is an attitude that affects the heart of a person who wants to do it. And you do this because you want to please God. You do what is good. You carry out good deeds because of our Lord. You want to demonstrate the character of God. You want to be just like Jesus. We know who to imitate. One may say, but I don't know how he lived. I don't know how Jesus lived. I wasn't around back then. Well, you won't know until you pick up the biography of his life. You won't know how in Genesis he started in the beginning and was with God. You won't know in Exodus, God freed his people from exile, bringing redemption, and true redemption would be brought through Christ. In Leviticus, the rules are laws of holiness and how there would only be one who would perfectly fulfill the law. Numbers would show the unbelief of God's chosen people, yet through Christ, his people's eyes would be open to believe. The history books of Israel, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and learning about the great King David, who was the greatest king to ever live, but pointed to an even greater king who would come through his lineage. The poetry books of Job, Psalm, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, beautiful renditions of the wisdom, poetry, and praises to the Messiah, Christ Jesus, our King. The prophets, Ezra through Malachi, all point to the culmination when the king arrives on the scene in Matthew. Mark shows him as a servant. Luke displays him as a compassionate man. And John displays his deity. At his death and resurrection, the epistles all point to revelation, declaring that he will come and make all things new. Family, you can know how to imitate good because you know that the true essence of good is Christ Jesus. He says, follow me. He loved you so much, he died for you. All he wants is your life in return, a commitment to him. He can transform your life when you turn to him instead of your sins. Don't model Diotrephes, guys. Don't model Diotrephes, Temple Hills. Don't model Diotrephes, Christians. But the interesting thing is, 
He doesn't say who to model. Perhaps because the one who models what is good demonstrates it with their lives. They seek to do good. They walk in truth. Why? Because they believe the truth. They support the truth. He goes on and he says, whoever does good is from God. The one who lives characterized by what is good comes from God. That is, they find their origin with God. When you live your life consistently and continuously doing good, you are from God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Family, let us make a practice of doing what is right according to the scriptures. In fact, life becomes, or can become, let's say that, can become more peaceful when we take the path of righteousness. One thing I tell my, my nieces and nephews, I tell them either you can take the path of righteousness where there is blessing and prospering, or you can take the path of unrighteousness where there is wickedness and destruction. John continues, whoever does evil has not seen God. The one who practices evil has not seen or become conscious of God. This is the one who continuously does evil with no remorse, no sorrow for any of the sins that they have committed. John has said in 1 John 3, 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No, no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Doing evil is a speaker announcement that the one is a child of the devil. How do you respond when your sin is called out? Remorse? or defense, repentance, or apathy. Give some consideration in verse 11, because if you want to prosper, once again, do not imitate Diotrephes. But not everyone has fallen sway to the deception. There is someone who needs to be commended. We've heard the bad news, now let's hear some good news. Look with me now in verses 12 through 15. The Atrophies family isn't prospering. Now we are introduced to another member. This brother has a good reputation. John says, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. People spoke well of this brother. He was known to Gaius as well. He wasn't prideful. He didn't have to make a name for himself. His name was public by his faith. And the interesting thing is nothing else is known about Demetrius. Demetrius' name made the Bible. <coughs> Imagine it for a second. Just for a second. We don't know much about blank, but they surely love Jesus. People have talked about Demetrius' witness. They spoke well of him. They affirmed him in a supportive manner. The believers in the church, and John says, and from the truth itself. The truth itself usually refers to the truth of the gospel. It may mean something like even his commitment to the truth speaks well of him. He displayed faith, love, and hope before the assembly. People spoke well of Demetrius. The truth was on display in his life. And lastly, look, he says, we also add our testimony. That is, we, we vouch for him. John, and includes some of the others who were with him, 
At the end of the letter, he says, the friends greet you. We are witnesses to Demetrius. You have an apostolic eyewitness in John, and you know our testimony is true. That is, our testimony is factual. John used similar language in the Gospel of John when he says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. If there is any contingency, our testimony affirms Demetrius. We have a commendation of Demetrius. He contrasts, imitate good Demetrius. John concludes, I had much to write to you. That is, John had more to say. He could be admitting to how little he has written in comparison as to what else needs to be addressed. However, he says, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. He doesn't want to write anymore. This gives us some insight that pen and ink were around in biblical times. The heart of the pastor wants to see his flock. Verse 14, I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. John hopes for a visit soon. He doesn't want to talk over email. He doesn't want to talk via text message. He wants to have a face-to-face -face meeting. He wants to consult in person. There's something intriguing here. We like the convenience of technology. Praise the Lord, right? However, some things are better face-to-face. -face. You can see the facial expression of a person. You can hear the tone in their voice. You can get a feel of their love and warmth or lack thereof. You can practice hospitality. You can treat Omar and I out to lunch. <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> How often do we meet with each other face to face? Outside of church. Family, I'd like to encourage you. As God places it upon your heart, meet with one another. It can't be solely on the elders. Spend time with one another. Get into each other's lives. Learn more about each other and see how the power of the gospel has brought two people who probably wouldn't normally hang out together. We can't enter each other's lives and help each other to battle sin if we aren't spending time together. John concludes in verse 15. Peace be to you. May well-being be extended to you. The friends, those who share in the bond of mutual affection, greet you. That is, they welcome you. And this letter is being presented in front of many who were aware of the situation. The elder closes with greet the friends each by name. They knew each other. It wasn't just, hey, you. Hey, sister, hey, brother. No, they knew each other's names. John wishes for God's covenant blessing, protection, and provision, and all of its fullness would be upon Gaius. Three angles in this letter of how not to prosper as a Christian that can ultimately lead to be excluded from Christ's body. A condemnation, a consideration, and a commendation. Now, as we are closing this members' meeting, you may notice we place Diotrephes, the Christian behind Diotrephes' name, in quotes, because there are some concerns. There are some concerns that may end and us removing his name from membership. This should serve as a warning to us all. You can look the part of a believer 
Say with your words you are a believer, but eventually your actions would show. I heard a pastor say one time, time and truth go hand in hand. You give something enough time, the truth will eventually come out. Please pray. Be prayerful. Diotrephes repents and seeks to love his neighbor. Pray that he sees his error, and if these same patterns are among us, let us repent as well. We are going to be diligently praying before taking a vote our next members' meeting. At times, we don't realize how much our actions can affect others. The decisions that we make can have an impact upon others that don't set a good witness for the church. Family, let us imitate what is good and not what is evil. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you for this time today. Lord, you have given us an example of a believer that, or of a person, should I say, Lord, who is not living what he proclaims. May that not be said of any of us. Help us to live out your truth, O oh Lord. Lord, if there is anyone among us who have been struggling with slander or gossip, who have rejected authority, who has not sought to extend hospitality toward others, please convict our hearts. Please help us to see the ways in which we have failed you, Lord. May we repent of those sins, but give us great encouragement, Lord, that when we repent, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for Jesus. Give us a heart for your people. Please, as we go throughout this week, let us remember your word. Let us remember your truth and exalt the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Let every heart say, Amen. Amen.